All right, we are recording. We are live on this week's episode of the Volumetrics Podcast. My name is Michael. I am CEO of Volumetrics, a spatial web company. And Laurent, who are you? Well, first, I guess I'm the life of the party because I will <laughs> speak with a little bit more enthusiasm. Yeah. I'm I'm enthusiastic as hell. I'm joking. I'm, just, I'm, joking. I'm, re- I'm reading. I'm what joking. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so we got a couple updates this week. We're going to try and keep this episode shorter. We listened to the last one, and I said the word like about 5,000 times. I didn't like that too much. So we're going to try and do a shorter podcast, remain a little bit more focused. We've got some short updates. There's some things in the news we wanted to talk about, and then we're going to go ahead and dive into the hackathon that we had last weekend. So diving into, let's do the Zuck video first. Um, you've watched yeah, it, so, right? Yeah. So for those who are not familiar, like on X, Twitter, whatever, somebody, uh, Zuck posted a video of his reaction to the Vision Pro, which was very interesting. It was like a five minute video where it just like spits out like his, his take on the Vision Pro, which is pretty unusual for like a CEO of a company to have like that casual, like hands-on like first reaction on the product but uh yeah it was a little bit of the background uh yeah i think so i don't know you're i think a lot of the take from it was his it seemed like he was coming off as very defensive for a lot of people i didn't see that like it seemed he was very i don't know he's just He's a very forceful speaker. If you hear him, he just sounds defensive all the time whenever he speaks. If you see him talking on stage, he seems like he's defending something. I don't know if that's just yeah. His way for of me, being. Th- yeah. there was something a little bit like people called it aggressive. Like there was something a little bit like forceful and aggressive about that that video. But at the same time, like I think it's coming from a position of like he's sure of his. Pro- I, I think he, he he feels maybe I don't know if it's arrogance or a little bit of like he knows he has the better product. And I think he's like bragging a bit. It felt more braggy to me than yeah, aggressive. Yeah. I don't like, let's not like, let's not get it, get ourselves wrong here. Like I'm not saying that if, if they were the same price point, I don't know if I would say that it's the better product. I it's if they were the exact same price point and they had both an established ecosystem, like it was just, Hardware versus hardware. If they were the same product, one wouldn't be like vastly superior. Yes. Like at the same price point, obviously the, the, the Apple headset will win, but it's not possible to make the Apple headset at that price point. So it's kind of a moot point. Like at the same price point, they both will use the same material. They both use more or less the same tech. And if they were both established environments, then they both will feel very similar, but it's not the reality. The reality is like the quest market is more established the yeah. is more established and it's a sixth the price yeah that's uh, to me that's it's where they're winning right now is they have all of that like lead time and it's also their only vertical it's their only hardware vertical whereas apple has all these other verticals to maintain and an ecosystem to maintain. And I had someone tell me, I was like, oh, that's the selling point. That's the drawing point to me is that it just syncs with all of my other devices where the Quest, it doesn't. It's one device and I'm locked in. I can't get my messages or anything like that. 
And there are ways to do it, but it's still not built into the operating system. Yeah. And, but like my take from it was, I kind of agree with him on certain elements, like definitely the price point, definitely accessibility and feeling. I think the form factor is a little better. I think it weight, like the distribution of weight is at least for me better, but I also have the elite battery strap. So the balance is a little better. And the pressure, I think the pressure on the face, it's better distributed and also, I could share the device. Like, we had someone in and we were trying to show them a demo. I didn't have to recalibrate the device or set up some guest mode thing. I could just hand them the headset and immediately, without question, they could see it. Even if they have glasses. Even if they have glasses. So we'll get into that, too. You did try it. And that leads us into the social media reactions, things like that. So I've been gauging on social media a little bit more since we've started this company. I'm a late, late, late adopter to Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. And the reactions are fun because I don't know, there's this guy who worked at Apple um, as well. He was a very important acquisition. I met him. He's super cool, super great. But he's just going out and defending the Vision Pro. He's like, it's the better product. It's the better product. Like, what about your privacy? And as soon as people throw privacy into the debate, I'm like, that is not a feature you should be bragging about right now. Because they are $3,000 apart. And privacy is a feature you can't see. It's not something you can interact with. I'm very blasé by that privacy argument on Apple's side where, like, if you install TikTok on your iPhone or TikTok on your Android phone, they get the same amount of data. Same for every third-party app. Like, the only difference is the first-party maker of the OS. Like. Yes, Apple as a, as the OS maker might gather less data than Meta as the OS maker, but that's a trust you have in the maker of the device, like the app ecosystem as is irrelevant in terms of privacy. You, you, they will, every app has the same access to like tracking you on an Android app, on a Quest app and an iOS app. Yeah. And the cross tracking, the cross app tracking, it, like hindered them for a minute but it just encouraged them to find better ways to like figure out what ads to target at someone so now i mean in some ways like we have like some gen ai models because of that like it forced facebook to find a better way to target ads using artificial intelligence with the data that they had but yeah no privacy like getting back to that privacy like it's not a feature that's worth three thousand dollars privacy is something you bring up when the products are within like a hundred or two hundred dollars of each other. So maybe like the iPhone versus an Android device. Yeah. Throw that in as a feature. Make that argument. Like if people yeah. care about that, they'll pay for that additional premium. But it's not a premium that is three thousand dollars. And if it's the thing you're falling back on this soon after introducing a product two weeks ago, that's bad. But anyways, we are we're getting like we're focusing on this a little too much. The I do want to talk about one Reddit post that I found really funny. Somebody posted on the Vision Pro Dev subreddit to ask about like, oh, what's the state of WebXR on the Vision Pro? And they just went point by point a couple questions like, oh, what are PWAs like? What parts of the WebXR spec are supported? Things like that. I was super excited about this question because I know the answers. So I jumped right in and just genuinely responded to the question. I was like, not the whole spec is supported. 
You can do immersive apps, but you can't do like AR apps. You can't do PWAs anywhere on iOS right now, which is problematic. And hopefully they quote unquote fix it. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I answer all those questions. And then at the end of it, I said, if you want to build for the web, very explicitly, I was not comparing, I wasn't saying either of them are better. I'm saying if you want to build for the web right now, the Quest is the device to buy. It is the most easily accessible and it supports more of the WebXR spec than any other device on the market that is within its price point. And I just got railed by the Vision Pro, like Apple fanboys. Like, oh, the idea, because I also said, I was like, oh, it's 80, you get 80% of the functionality and like quality for a seventh the price. And everyone just got so salty so quickly. I thought it was so funny. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like the Vision Pro is a better device for all these reasons. Like if you have to argue that it's 80% of the quality for a seventh price, like it's a game system. Like it's a game system at least. The other thing, it's not, it's not anything yet. It's a TV on your face. It's a dev kit. Yeah. That you buy. Yeah. It's an exciting dev kit. I love it. I, I'm happy we have one and I'm leaning towards not returning it. That's uh, another thing. I will, I will flip the coin at the end of the day because we have one day to decide. But there's time a lot of out. returns on that device. Yes. There's oh. a ton of returns that I was expecting that much. Like it's $3,500. That's, that's rent. That's a paycheck. All that. Anyways, continuing, they were just going at it and they're like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Guys, I spent four years working on this thing. Just literally, I use the same handle on all platforms. Look me up. I know what I'm talking about. There's a meme. Uh, yeah. uh sorry, sorry, love. There is a guy that is wrong on the internet. Yeah. I'm like, but I'm not wrong though. I an- genuinely answered his question, but I just thought it was pretty funny. So anyways, let's move on. We're going to go into the, the hackathon. So we're going to try and keep this one within 20 minutes. So I guess like the short version of it is we ran a hackathon over the weekend. We'd been working towards this for a while, getting the, the, the library to a point where it can support something like this. And like building an editor, et cetera. And it went well. I liked it. I thought it was yeah, really fun. I think I yeah. think it was awesome. It was last Saturday. We had like nine people hacking away at MRGS for three hours. And it was really, really cool. The prompt was very simple. Make a tiny mixed reality page for yourself, a pet, a place, a thing, something simple for the for the special web. And people have been building stuff. It was fun. So I think one of the questions is why you're running a hackathon. And there is many reasons. We built try, kind of like a slice of the whole stack with a cloud editor and a, a, um, a development loop that was like done in headsets directly with a keyboard with the documentation accessible. We wanted to see like how beneficial the familiarity with HTML and CSS is to beginner which is something that guides our library design. We want to, we wanted to know, does the, the, our documentation page lower the learning curve? Are we hitting the right notes for the, the developer experience? We also need to know what is the functionality that are required in our cloud editor to be viable. Our proposition is pretty bold. We tell people like, leave your laptop behind, grab your headset and build in headset. Like, for that, we need the table stack to be solid. What are the table stack for a code editor? Also, I mean, obviously we're a company, so what feature can potentially be behind a paywall and what feature cannot? 
what are the first things that people are willing to build? Like when, when you put a new technology in front of them, where are they gravitating toward? Are they creating like a 2D experience first? Are they going straight to 3D? Are they trying to import models or are they trying like, what are the things they start to do first? I think it's something only like user research can, can tell you. And we have quite some other user research hypotheses, but that's kind of a high level of what are all those questions that we are asking ourselves and that the only answer is really to watch people use it. Yeah. And I think I was really, I mean, we, you and I had like, long debates about it like i was really nervous about not nervous but like reticent to like even question whether or not i was right i was like i think i'm right i think people will want this blah blah blah. and like you twisted my arm you're like we have to test these assumptions we have to go and like validate and me being like i believe i'll like i'm a like firm believer this is this is gonna work like you can believe all you want i'm gonna go test this thing and trust, I but verify. Trust but verify. Look at you quoting Ronald Reagan. No, I'm I like I'm glad we did that. Glad you brought me down from my blind confidence. And I think like there are things in there that I I was nervous. Like, what if people completely hate building a headset? What if people? It's like our primary like assumption. Our primary like like hypothesis is that this will be better in headset. And I think like. Some at least some of the feedback I heard really did like lean into that support that hypothesis where people are like, oh, I wish I was able to do this. I wish I was able to do that because, like you said, this is a very bare bones editor. All it was is like you have a code editor and a preview window, and you can jump into XR to fully preview the app. And besides, like a lot of the bugs that were found, because we did find quite a few bugs in the code base. We got some really good feedback in terms of the experience. And like, I'll let you dive into that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we got from people that never, never even like wrote anything for mixed reality. Like they had bare HTML, CSS knowledge, maybe not even with any JavaScript. And they managed to build something in mixed reality for the first time, which was awesome. And of course, we had like one web developer that know what they're doing started building like a custom entity and like a remarch cloud and like oh i thought you were talking about the other guy no that was great i loved that oh yeah no and and it's like it's 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 amazing to see like both like somebody with like knowing three html tag building something and somebody goes right into like the custom system element and and just like building something crazy in terms of bugs that we found there's like api changes that i didn't even notice and Part of the reason I was very excited about this hackathon is we'd have people testing it and breaking it as soon as humanly possible from I, an API point of view. I read or heard somewhere a long time ago that if you're proud of what you shipped, you ship too late. Yeah. And I think we're we're definitely not proud of what people have been using Saturday. It was full of bugs. It was crappy. Like the performance are like not where they should be. And and I mean, thankfully, the editor didn't lose anybody's code or like really yeah. like big <laughs> things. But the the yeah, like I think I think we will run a hackathon at least once a month to flex that muscle and make sure that like real usage, real users, people that never touch the library ever or the editor, like can give us genuine feedback after having played with it for three hours, because that's how we're gonna learn. Oh, and it's also like there's 
this quote from it's from the first man, like it, first man being the biopic about Neil Armstrong. And I'm a huge space nerd, so I watch every movie about space. But there's this quote from it. I don't know if it's an actual quote, quote from Neil Armstrong, but it's like, we need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. And that's that's the state yeah. we're taking. Like we need to fail now here where we're at, so we were failing less when we have like the actual product built, the final thing. So it's a lot cheaper to fail now. Yeah, <laughs> six months. It's like and I'll keep going through the quotes. Like any plan, like does not survive contact first contact with the enemy. If you're planning for this long, it's going to fail no matter what. So your failure, if we were to wait to test it longer and longer, and I think we waited too long, but there are bare minimum things we needed to get to. I wish we had run this hackathon like two months ago, but we just didn't have the resources or like the capability. But still, like if we had waited, the longer we would have waited, the harder the failure is going to be. The things we ran into for this hackathon, like these are things I can fix. These are not like invalidating the fundamental assumptions uh, yeah we we, we both yeah. worked at apple and i think the idea of building like in stealth for years and coming out and unveiling the product with like a grandiose like unveiling is just so scary for me like i mean there are startups that still do that i mean i will mention humane with releasing something that nobody ever saw and people are like why yeah and and that's the the like I, I, I want us to be the antithesis of that. Like, uh, I mean, it's the whole building public, like that yeah. stance that we had from the beginning, but it's like, you're going to see our failure, like from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, it's how we're going to succeed. This is how the sausage is made, man. Like it's, it's exciting stuff for us. It, and I don't know. It's, I, I'm proud of it. And personally, the like strong stance. But I think surprise and delight is for cowards. I think if you're not willing to show something until it's absolutely ready, then it's not worth showing in the first place. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cowardice to me. It's like, I want people to be able to be involved in the process of development. I want them to see things as they're being built so that they can contribute to the conversation because good technology, good products aren't built by a single company, aren't built by an entity. They're manufactured, but great products are built by the community. It's built by the people that are using it because they're giving feedback and they're like, oh, this would be better if you had this feature or that feature. And we got that kind of feedback. The feedback that just like really validated our primary assumption. There's one developer's like, this was really fun. I've never built this before. I was trying to build something with like a moon model and a, like and the earth. I was struggling to do that. And whenever I got into the, I noticed the positions were off. And whenever I got into headset to see the moon and the earth, like in the app, I wanted to reach out and move it and move it by hand rather than jumping out and touching the code again. And I'm like, that is exactly what that's, we're trying to build yeah that's validating our assumption that i think some of the coding will be done like heads down in a code editor it doesn't really matter where but most of the interactions are like micro adjustment and inspecting and debugging and moving things like three pixel and all that micro adjustment like that last mile micro adjustment that we knew we needed to build no we are sure we need to build yeah uh, and it's every time someone asks, like, what is this space for? What it like, what are, 
what's going to be the killer app? And the answer is always going to be for us. Like that doesn't matter to us right now. What matters to us is that we believe we know and we are validating what people need to build for this space, the tools that are absolutely necessary to find that killer app. Because the headsets, the platforms, they're getting there, but the tools suck and we're proving that they suck and how we're going to make them better. So I, I, th- I think that's it. Is there any th- other things we want to say about the hackathon? No. All right. That's pretty much it. Then we can jump into our last couple thoughts. Short updates from the hackathon. We got a ton of like bug reports for MRJS. I was very excited about that. But it's going to be a lot of me staying up and fixing things and just triaging various bugs, working with Hannah to find like find the solutions to those and just make MRJS better. The editor, I think from that feedback we got, we'll start working on improving it, right? Yeah, I think that there's already, there's something in headsets that is annoying is like that pinch and like gestures, especially when you have the hands on the keyboard. So things like keyboard navigation is really important when you build an editor in headsets and the ability to like switch tab and reload and all that things without like leaving the keyboard. Access to documentation, access to autocomplete, like typing in headset is still like harder than it should be and any help is needed. So I think, yeah, autocompletion and smart suggestions are definitely something that that needs to happen. And obviously, like we still need to build a part of the platform that is listing your project and saving them and allowing you to share them and deploy them and fork them and all that things that is stable stake and need to be built and we will be built soon yeah and of course we're always open to talented people who want to work on this project with yes us. so reach out and send us an email at michael at volumetrics.io and laurent at volumetrics.io we are building demos like obviously but like we are now picking up now that mrjs is usable and we've got to the point where it's a little more stable we're going to start turning out more demos every month. We're trying to get to the point where we can build a demo a week. So not this week, but hopefully next week with this podcast, we will also release a demo, a demo video at the very least, hopefully a live demo we can point people to built on MRJS. We're very excited about that. And we'll like share some updates for it. And we're going to do a couple of months. We are, it's demo driven development. Every feature we're building will be integrated into a new and exciting and compelling demo as we figure out what we need to build the greatest possible experiences in mixed reality on the web. And as always, if you have feedback on MRJS, if you have feedback on this podcast or anything else, like please share it with us. We're, we're living off of your feedback. Yeah. Join it. Like I we can close out with if you want to communicate with us. I'm Michael. That's it on all social platforms other than Mastodon. On Mastodon, I am Michael at volumetrics.social. But on X, Twitter, whatever, on threads and on Reddit, I'm Michael. That's it. Feel free to re- reach out. Laurent, how can people reach you? I'm at Lobo, L-O-B-A-U on most platform. Yeah. And yeah, and I think the, the the simplest way to talk to us right now is join our Discord. Oh, yeah, I was about to mention, join our Discord. We'll share the link in the show notes, quote unquote. And check out the repo, check out MRJS if you're running into issues. And we'll start sharing out the editor as it becomes 
like more feature rich and you can test it out and file issues on MRJS and follow our project progress. Yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Thanks, everybody. Nice, sweet and short. And as soon as I edit it again, it'll be even shorter. So thank you. Catch you next time.